invite John Coles up now, who's going to um, come and bring God's word to us. And just wondered, can I pray for you, Yeah, John? please do. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for John, and we thank you for the many gifts that you have anointed upon him. And we pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you will come, that you will equip him, that you will anoint him to bring your word to us. And we ask for us, Lord, that you will please open our eyes to see what it is that you want to say to us, and that you will give us hearts that are responsive and alert and ready to serve you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jane. Just a comment about the cake box. You don't have to blame Mike for everything. Um, it was me that gave him the reading so late as I was talking to him there that meant he, the only bit of paper he could find was the cake box lid. However, it was the cake box with the promise of the cake that made him really decide, Luke and Caroline, to do the blessing today. Had it not been for the offer of a cake, I don't think Mike would have said yes to doing it. I jest, I jest. Don't blame mine for everything. So, what do you do when you're invited to speak in a place um, that's not related necessarily to a theme or you're not given a title? You pray. So, when I sat down to pray and asked the Lord to give me a word for today, the passage that was in my mind was this passage about the raising of Jairus' daughter. And in particular, this little phrase within it. If we can... Oh, I've got to turn this on, on. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Which, if you look at it in other translations, is slightly different, but the same impact. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Or, interestingly, slightly different. Don't listen to them. Just trust me. So, how many of you have done one of these? You, you know what it is, do you, incidentally? It's, it is a COVID lateral flow test, yes. And um, what's it telling you? What's the picture telling you? Sorry? Positive. It, well, there's obviously some confusion over whether we're positive or negative. Now, that's a really interesting thing in and of itself, isn't it? But we've all done that. So, as I was thinking about this subject, uh, uh, somebody that I'm seeking to witness to at the golf club sent me a picture with a message on it. He's an Indian that doesn't yet know Jesus as his unique saviour, although he's, the conversations have been significant with him thus far, such that I'm always able to say something to him. Or he will sometimes send me a message this is the message he sent me that morning. Make sure you test positive for faith. Keep your distance from doubt. Isolate yourself from fear. Trust in God through it all. So I think there's something in this from the Lord for us all today. And I'm not going to examine every part of that, but what I am going to do is talk a little bit around the subject of faith and the Holy Spirit. What else could I do when I was vicar of St. Barnabas and today we sit in the presence of the present vicar of St. <laughs> Barnabas? 
where it says in Scripture that Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. There seems to be a connection between the Holy Spirit and faith. And in my experience, that's certainly the case as well. Interestingly, Holy Spirit and faith is not just related to Barnabas, but earlier in the Acts of the Apostles, in the life of the early church, when there's an issue of a bit of an argument going on in church, of course that never happens anywhere, in any other church, never does it, but the, the issue is over who's doing what and who's not doing anything, and how people get to do the job that God has equipped and anointed them to do, and there's normally grumbling when that happens. And so they uh, decide in the end to choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Now that's an interesting thing in and of itself, isn't it? Because sometimes when you think of people of faith, you think they're crazy. Don't you? I mean, they seem to be holding on for something that just seems almost irrational to hold on to. And the way they talk about it often, it's so often dressed up in the language of Zion that the average person doesn't have access to what they're really talking about. I mean, those prophetic people, do you really understand them? So, wisdom and faith uh, don't seem naturally to coalesce. And yet, it says here, when you choose people who are full of wisdom and f the Spirit, you find people full of faith and the Spirit. In other words... Faith is wisdom, and wisdom is faith. And the Holy Spirit is the one that generates both of them within us. Uh, we choose, we have lots and lots of choices every day that we make, don't we? Do you know, somebody has said that uh, probably we have to make 35,000 choices a day between one thing and another thing. And if you think that some of that time is asleep and some of it's not asleep, someone has estimated it works out at something like 2,000 uh, choices a minute or something. Or, I mean, I don't know what it is. An hour, maybe. It's an hour. Probably it is, isn't it? More, it's more than that. Some choices are more significant than others in life. Those of you that had children, you probably had to make a choice about what you're going to name you were going to give your child. I'm interesting, one of our children at the moment is pregnant. Uh, actually, it's a daughter-in-law is pregnant with another baby. And they told us yes, just yesterday that they spent an hour and a half the other night in bed arguing, sorry, not arguing, talking about what they were going to name they were going to give this next born. And I had read just this week of a Belgian couple who, uh, in giving the name of the child, the first child, they gave the name Alex to, and the second child they gave the name Axel to. <laughs> then they realized that that was the same four letters. So they thought, we'll do that with subsequent children. So they got Zella, and then they got Lexa, and then they got Zale, and then they got Zeal, and then they got Exler, and then they got Leax, and then they got Xali, and then they got... Well, there's two more after that that are meant to be arriving on the screen right at this minute. Oh, Alax, and then they got Al Alxe. I mean, what a way to choose your children's names. I don't even know whether they are names or not. Some choices are significant, and some we find ourselves having to live with for years and years after, and we think, what on earth did we do that for? Now, this is a choice. This is a choice. Make sure 
You test positive for faith. And I'm going to suggest that means make sure you choose to be filled with the Spirit and faith. If the question is how can we be sure we test positive for faith, I would say make sure you're filled with the Spirit and the Spirit is giving you faith. So, in a minute I want us to turn to uh, the example of someone from Hebrews, but I'm going to stick with um, Mark chapter 5, but with this uh, phrase from Hebrews 11, uh, headlining it for a moment. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we do not see. What we, uh, about what we do not see. Um, did you pick up Jane's prayer as she prayed for me a few moments ago? She prayed that the Lord would open our eyes to see. Well, I can see your eyes are open. But are our eyes open? So what do you see as you look around? Look around. What do you see? You see... Come on, look around. <laughs> so you see some people that you know and some people that you don't know. You see some people who look as if they're really worried that somebody's looking at them right now and some people who think uh, really completely at ease. Some people relax, some people are not relaxed. Some people that you think, who on earth are they? Some people you think, what are they doing here? Some people are thinking, you're thinking about others, I'm really glad they're here today. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we're, are going on just as a result of using our physical eyes. Do we see the angels? Do we see what's going on in each other's hearts? Do we see the shackles that the enemies put around us? What do our physical eyes see and what do our spiritual eyes see? The eyes of faith are the spiritual eyes that see beyond the physical. And it's when we see beyond the physical that we can actually have faith generated by the Holy Spirit within us. So, if you, just picking, before we even go to, uh, back to Mark chapter 5, you'll recall, did I skip over one there? Oops. <clears throat> this is from 1 Corinthians 2. What no eye, that's physical eye, has seen, and what no ear, that's physical ear, has heard, and what no human mind, that's by natural process of thought, has conceived, the things... God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Having our spiritual eyes open to who God is and what God has really given to those who love him and what God is really doing in the lives of those around us, that's the gift of revelation that comes from the Spirit. And when the gift of revelation comes from the Spirit on an ever-increasing basis, that's when we find the Spirit gives us faith for things from God that we would not previously have had. So let's go back to the story. And in the story... What did Jesus see physically? What he saw physically was, on the one hand, the crowd's mockery. So they laughed at him. They laughed at him in the first instance, the disciples amongst them at this stage, in the story that we didn't read in the middle of the passage, because Jesus uh, healed a woman who touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And the disciples said, how have we possibly got a chance of seeing who touched you? But he said, I felt power come from me. And there's just general confusion. And it's almost like, oh, Jesus, you can't expect us to tell who really touched you. In other words, how do we know who's really got faith in amongst the crowd so many and who hasn't? How do we know who's really been healed right now and who hasn't? 
Uh, and so there's a general mockery going on. Then when they get to the house where Jairus's daughter, who's now died, is, generally, uh, he says, uh, she, she, he, she's not dead, she's asleep. And that's when they really start laughing. When Jesus says that he sees something beyond what they think is natural and normal and what their own physical eyes see, then they really start mocking. Now, you, you've had people mock you for your faith even though you haven't always been aware of it. So if you start talking to somebody about Jesus being raised from the dead, that's a moment of mockery normally in people's minds and hearts. Even though they may not express it to you, they are thinking, oh, come off it, that doesn't happen. If you then go on to talk about people being raised from the dead today as people have prayed over corpses, then you're really off your rocker. That's a moment of high mockery going on. So Jesus experienced the mockery of the crowd when he was saying something about the possibility of what the, a, a different spiritual reality was. Now, in my understanding, in Jesus' minds, what, what he is immediately also seeing is the enemy's activity. It's the enemy that's blinded our eyes. Our eyes, it says in scripture. It's the enemy that get, we made us totally blind. And that's why we're able to sing, once I was blind, now I can see. It's our spiritual eyes have been opened. The Jesus' spiritual eyes were wide open. And he saw, even in the mockery of the crowd, it was the enemy's activity, which is why he said the crowd couldn't go with him into Jairus' home. Because he knew that he had to separate himself from the extreme um, doubt and the extreme fear that actually the enemy was seeking to overwhelm the situation with. What else did Jesus see? He saw the disciples' fear. He saw, in contrast with his spiritual eye, the Father's power. He saw Jairus' despair. And the families, those weeping and wailing, they were involved in it. But actually, Jesus wasn't overwhelmed by their despair. What he also saw was Jairus' brokenness and pain. And what does a kind person do when there is brokenness and pain? First, they stop. Then, they respond. And if you carry the power of the living God within you, what does that mean? It means you raise the dead. Uh, maybe I'm still at the first end of that spectrum. I'm still trying to learn to be kind in all circumstances. And I know there are times when I just pass by. In effectively an unkind way. And then Jesus, of course, saw the child as dead. And yet Jesus knows the promised future. So when he says, she's not dead, she's asleep, that would be true even if he did not immediately raise her from the dead for more life on planet Earth. Because the truth is, even beyond the grave, when we all will physically die because we've got mortal bodies, yet there will be life. We are, in a sense, always asleep until we're raised to new life in Christ and a new heaven and a new earth. So as I look out, I see you, and when I look in the mirror, I see myself, in part, still asleep. 
I have not yet been woken up to the full reality of the glory of the living God on the one hand, the angelic presence surrounding us on the other, and the reality of God's desire now to transform all of us into something beyond where we've got to this Sunday morning. I'm still partly asleep. And that's true on a Sunday morning as well, on, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and by Friday. I'm normally really pretty much dormant. And what the Lord wants to, us to know and then live out is with eyes wide open to the spiritual reality that even when it appears as if we and our friends are dead and asleep to spiritual reality, he, the Lord, can open our eyes and breathe fresh life in. So I don't know which of your relatives and friends you've been praying for for five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, twenty-five years, thirty-five years, forty-five years to have their eyes open to Jesus and they still haven't yet become believers. They're not dead, they're only asleep. I know scripture says we're dead in our trespasses and sins, but we were dead in our trespasses and sins and God made us alive in Christ. So it's possible for somebody on the one hand to be dead spiritually, but actually in reality only to be asleep spiritually until they hear the word of Jesus saying, Come out! Come alive! So keep praying, friends. That's what I'm saying there. Never think of somebody as beyond the power of God to reach. That's you and your circumstances on the one hand, and it's your friends, even your friends that haven't yet become believers. That's spirit-given faith because your eyes are seeing a different reality from the reality that we, that we normally see with our physical eyes. Is this making any sense? Okay, so um, if you're to test positive for faith, what would faith look like in you? So you know what the symptoms of COVID are, even if you don't know how to read a COVID um, symptom reader thing. You really know what the symptoms of COVID are, you know. I, I, some of you have, have lived through it and you're so grateful to God for having um, uh, healed you now. Um, and there are certain symptoms for faith as well that I want to, if I can get my phone going as well, we can look at. So I'm going to read a few verses, and they'll be on the screen, from Hebrews 11, and, and speak uh, about three or four signs that they indicate. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By, f well, that's an interesting one. Uh, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And by faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. So the first symptom of faith I want to point to is choosing to rejoice in God. It's a choice. Every morning of our lives, it's a choice. What am I going to feast my eyes, my spiritual eyes on today? Am I going to feast them on the newspaper? Am I going to feast them on those around me at work? Or am I going to try to feast on the presence of the living God? Even before I read the newspaper or 
maybe if not before you read the newspaper, as a high priority within the day so that actually you're awakening deliberately your spiritual eyes. And that is a choice. And there are some choices in life that are more critical than other choices. And there are some choices that when we made them, we regret making them afterwards. And I know I regret at times having spent some periods in my life when I've not been making that choice, first choice, every day. To feast my eyes on the living God. Seeing who he really is afresh. So I've been helped recently by... Um, oh, maybe should have had, I should have had this in part of the verse there, shouldn't I? Uh, he, by faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. He saw him who is invisible. Not physical eyes, spiritual eyes. Um, just before I go on to say how I've been helped, that song that we sang earlier, God my saviour, God my healer, God my deliverer, Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Now, that is the reinforcing of the reality of what our spiritual eyes are meant to be seeing all the time. Who is the living God? God is my saviour. God is my healer. God is my deliverer. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Thank you, Lord. That's who you are today. So, uh, I've been using the Lectio 365, which is the sort of how to pray the Bible app. And every morning... Uh, it starts with a choice. I choose to rejoice in, and then there's some attribute or aspect of God's character, God's nature that you choose to rejoice in. And there's a psalm and some verses from the psalm, I should say, associated with it. So here are five that came in the, last week, I think they were. I choose to rejoice in God's help and healing today. I choose to rejoice in God's loving kindness today. I choose to rejoice in God's faithfulness today. These are on consecutive days. I choose to rejoice in God's goodness today. I choose to rejoice in God's eternal plan today. And some verses from the psalm, that, um, which is this one, to rejoice in God's goodness today, psalm Oh, this is, sorry, this was the one for yesterday I'm now reading. I, again, I choose to rejoice in God's goodness today, joining with the ancient praise of all God's people in the words of Psalm 89. Righteousness and justice are for the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. So what are we choosing to focus on with our spiritual eyes? What are we choosing to rejoice in? You can activate your choice, and you can activate what causes you to rejoice. And if you activate your spiritual eyes and rejoice in your living God, you will find faith arising. Do it, Lord, I pray, for each one of us. Not just now, not just even on Sundays, but Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes day by day to see who you really are. And I therefore choose to believe this today, Lord. Even if around me I, there's so much evil going on, even if around me I still see people who are sick, even if around me I know, or even in my own experience, I know or I feel lack of provision, Lord, I thank you that this is who you really are. Ah, that's a choice. That's an important choice. The next choice, choosing to humbly obey King Jesus, whatever. 
It's interesting, uh, there are some people now who are so focused, rightly, on the reality of the goodness and the grace and the generosity of God, that in a sense God's gone a pal to them. But actually, who is the living God? He is the king. Moses, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing that king's anger. He persevered because he saw the real king who is invisible. And by faith he kept the Passover. In other words, he was aware that he was living his life for the audience of one. And this audience of one, as well as his friend, his companion in life, was also the king. The king who has power over life and death. The king who actually we should bow before in humble obedience. You know the Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe story, don't you? Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, and when oh, one of them, I forget which it is, is told that Aslan is a lion, Mrs. Beaver said that, when she, the girl says, um, is, it, is he safe? And Mrs. Beaver replies, safe? Whoever said anything about safe? But he is good. He is the king. Friends, let's not forget that. The king who made us. The king who made this universe. The king who therefore understands how it is that we can have life in all its fullness in the kingdom that he reigns in. And when we step outside his kingdom, he knows the destruction that comes into our lives. So let's listen to the king for what the king says is the right and the best way to live our lives. Last week, uh, I wasn't uh, able to go to church at the normal scribed hour because I was driving down to see Anne's mother, where she was already, it wasn't very well last weekend, and um, as I drove down, by the wonders of modern technology, I tuned into a church service, and I promise you I wasn't looking at the screen, although it was on YouTube, I was just listening to the service. And... um, (coughs) There was a most moving talk by a a woman who's 30 who was single and it's in a series on uh, our identity, our sexuality and living as God intends us to live. And she was talking about her singleness at the age of 30 and she said she looks back to a moment when she was at university 10 years ago and she had a conversation with the Lord that shocked her. When the Lord said to her, Would you be happy, satisfied with me, even if you never got married? And she found herself saying to the Lord, I'm not sure. That was honest. That was honest. And she said it took took her two or three years to get to a place where she was able to say to the Lord, Lord, whatever happens about my marriage status in the future, I will be satisfied with you. You are enough for me, Lord. I was deeply moved by that. And of course, what that means for us is that she lives a celibate life. Now, we live in an extraordinarily complex world in terms of identity and sexuality, and what it, whether or not it, uh, people should live with one another, or have sex with one another. And generally, the culture we live in now says it doesn't matter when, and it doesn't matter whom, and it doesn't matter how many, as long as you're doing it. Is this the way God 
made us? The king? Is this the one who rules in a kingdom of light? Or in the end, is the culture that we now live in the kingdom of darkness? And my understanding, friends, is that only if we humbly choose to obey King Jesus will the Spirit of God continuously generate great faith in us. And I say humbly because the truth is that all of us sin. It's not just something you do before you become a Christian and then you live sin-free. Actually, frequently, regularly, we fall into disobeying the prompting of the Spirit. Because the Lord is prompting us all the time. He speaks whether we're listening or not. He speaks whether we're reading the Bible or not. He speaks when we read the Bible especially, but he speaks all the time. My sheep, then hear my voice, says Jesus. And the question is, will my sheep follow me? Will they really obey me? So, purity and holiness of life is a spirit-given thing in understanding and a spirit-generated thing in practice because we're transformed by the spirit and then it leads to faith. That's the second thing. I probably ought to be closing, wouldn't I? Um, I'm going to skip, just give you the headline, my third point, which is choosing to focus on the future. He was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt. And he, uh, he didn't know when and how they would enter into the promised land. He just knew there was a promised land and he set off. Friends, there's a promised land. There is a promised land. There is a promised land in which all that God has promised will come. The point is that, uh, unfortunately, that promised land doesn't come till Jesus returns. And those of you that say that you can have everything that you want and you can have it now, I'm afraid, friends, they don't have spiritual eyes like Jesus had spiritual eyes. Because Jesus said, you will have it, but you will not have it until I return. So we will not have everything now, even though, sadly, some people, even Christians, tend to imply that you can. That's the new heavens and the glorious new earth. That's why we're praying for Jesus to return, amongst other reasons as well. <laughs> but keep looking to the future, rather than insisting that you have it now. Only if you keep looking to the future will you realize how great that future is. And when you realize how great that future is, then your prayer, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, will be an even more powerful prayer than it was previously. Uh, oh, yeah, I haven't got time for that. Um, <laughs> my fourth thing is uh, choosing to embrace the supernatural. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. Pass through the sea on dry land. I mean, that's got to be miraculous, hasn't it? Whether you say it's the miraculous wind that blew at the time, or that's the timing miraculous, or whether you say it was some other thing that was miraculous, it's miraculous, whichever way it was. It was a supernatural act of God. And of course, this was not the first supernatural act of God that Moses had been involved in. He had supernatural acts on his CV up to this point. There were at least nine of them, ten of them up till this point, and each one seemed to be absolutely convincing, and uh, Pharaoh was convinced for a moment, and then he went backtracked on letting them out. Even though God was miraculously at work, not everybody is persuaded by his miraculous activity or comes into his kingdom as a result of miraculous activity. What do you do when either there aren't as many miracles as you're praying for or people don't seem to be convinced by the miraculous? The, uh, the, the, the doubt that grips most of us is we stop praying for that. Interestingly, when... Um, 
in the early church uh, when Peter and John have been in prison and the church prays that they'll be released and then they are released what they were of course imprisoned for daring to speak about Jesus and for healing the lame man in the temple and when they're released they pray again give us boldness to speak about Jesus and stretch out your arm with signs and wonders in the name of your servant Jesus in other words Lord we're still pressing in for the miraculous we're pressing in for the supernatural if you stop pressing in you won't get anything out and actually the easiest and the, and the fatal position and actually the normal position in much of the Western church has been to stop pressing in for the miraculous. Why? Because we don't have faith for it. Why? Because we're not actually focused on the ministry of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that opens our eyes. It's the Spirit that gives us an understanding and a desire for that breaking in of the miraculous into this present world. So in your own life and in the life of the church, as you look into the future, May I encourage you to welcome the supernatural. So when somebody says, let's pray, what do you do? I would suggest that you immediately start praying in tongues. That's welcoming the supernatural straight away. It's an act of supernatural faith. And as you start praying in tongues, actually, you will get revelation and you will get further faith. And if you don't yet pray in tongues, we'd love to pray of you today that God will release you into that because in my understanding and experience that's been one of the biggest triggers to faith and seeing in the realm of the Spirit that I've ever had in my life. Um, uh, welcome, welcome the supernatural. Uh, I'm just going to... My son-in-law, Mark, was uh, yesterday praying within the context of um, a uh, ministry time in, on an Alpha Away day. And um, I asked him how it had gone, and he, he said, it was great, great day. And I said, well, did he get any prophetic words? Because I know he'd recently been at a prophetic conference. And he said, yeah, I did. So I said, well, tell me, tell me what you did. So I, he said, well, the first person I prayed over, I got a word, and it was the first thing I said, and she was immediately burst into tears. I, I mean, I had some other things, but actually that thing, that first thing, how did he get that? He immediately started praying in tongues and then he got, something came into his mind. He verbalized it over this woman and it was what opened this woman up and by the end of the day she'd given her life to Jesus. Welcome the supernatural friends. Actively pursue it and you will find faith comes and as you find faith growing you'll see more things happening. Um, I was at part of the prophetic conference that Mark was at as well recently and uh, these people prayed over me personally and um, one of the things that one of them prayed over me was something that I am longing for and that is that they were, he said, I know that you are longing for a further and a greater outpouring of the Spirit and you will see it in your lifetime which is what you have been praying. Amen. And I'm sharing that with you because I want you to press in for that as well, friends. Something greater than what you've seen so far in your life that you're praying for still. Keep going for it. Because if you don't go for it, it will never come to you. So, Jesus, with the eyes of faith, says she is not dead. She is only asleep. He sees with his eye. And it becomes the springboard for what he then says. Get up. And she got up. And they were all amazed.
make sure you test positive for faith. Shall we stand? <coughs> I'm not asking you to think, I've got to believe, I've got to believe, I've got to believe. But I'm asking you to choose. To choose the Spirit. To choose to have our eyes opened. To have faith generated by the Spirit. That it be said about us and about Oakley, full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Or in... Um, common parlance, and this is what they were asked to look for, and what they looked for. He was a good man, full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. This is how you will be perceived, if you're full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Lord, that's our longing, that we should be more like you, more like the early church, people full of faith, and your Holy Spirit. So, I'm going to encourage each of you where you are to ask the Spirit of God to fill you afresh to generate open your eyes and to generate faith within you today Lord I choose to rejoice in you I choose to humbly obey you, O King. I choose to look to the future. And I choose to welcome the supernatural. And uh, to help you with this, I'm going to encourage you <clears throat> to stand in an open posture. If you've got your hands crossed in front of you or your arms closed, I'm encouraging you just to sort of let your hands be open to your side or even to hold them out in front of you. Because we're asking for a gift from heaven. If you feel you don't see very much spiritually at the moment, you might even just touch your eyes and put your eyes above your hand, above your eyes and say, Lord, open my eyes. If you're thinking that your heart is hard, just put your hand on your heart and say, soften my heart to your spirit, Lord, I pray. If you're finding a fight within you saying, I'm just not sure that I'm willing to obey the Lord, then simply say to him, Lord, I want to be willing to obey you. Lord, we acknowledge this is your world. You are the King of Heaven that came to Earth for us. You gave everything that we, the people of Earth, might inhabit the future new Heaven and Earth. Thank you that you obeyed the Father's call on your life. We long 
to obey your call on our lives. So Spirit of God, open our eyes. Generate faith within us, I pray, day by day, by day, by day, by day. Thank you, Lord. One of the other things I forgot to do was to tell Mike what worship song I wanted at the end. He's probably chosen one. Um, I don't know what he's done. I'm looking at him. I'm looking over there. I, I'm, I was actually hoping that we could have something more meditative than um, battle cry at this point because I want people who are disappointed to, if they want to, come forward for others to pray with them. It's, that was the word that came to me, disappointment. That some of you are really disappointed. You're disappointed that God hasn't come through for you in the way you'd hoped. Some of you are disappointed that you haven't seen more spiritual activity in your life or in the life of those around you. It doesn't matter what the disappointment is over, but I, I think disappointment is, so, is really part of the world which we inhabit generally in our culture. Uh, that's one of the reasons for such anger in our culture, because there's a disappointment. They haven't got what they thought was theirs by rights. And as the body of Christ, we're meant to be walking in the alternative spirit. So if we're carrying disappointment, we have nothing to offer. On the other hand, if we're carrying hope, we have everything to offer. So anybody that's sensing a disappointment over anything at all in their life, this is the moment for you to say, Lord, I'm humbly, I want to humbly walk with you now and get rid of this disappointment so I can carry hope. So, if that's you, why don't you come towards the front right now and we'll start to pray along those lines. I don't know whether there's some music that you can be playing in quietly rather than the raucous song, but I think that might be helpful for people. <clears throat> it may be that you... Um, don't even have a clue what I'm talking about, about having your spiritual eyes open. Well, that's perfectly allowable, because not, not everybody understands what I talk about. Even I don't always understand what I talk about. So, you know, if you just like your spiritual eyes open, even though you don't know what that really means, just come and ask. Uh, if you like to speak in tongues, pray in tongues, and you don't, then just come and ask. Um, ask and you will receive, says Jesus. And it's at this moment in a service, that's always the case. Simply we're trying to respond to what he, the Lord, is trying to give to his people. So we be people full of the Holy Spirit and faith.